What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Raising Adults podcast. Kira and Dina here. And wow, we've got some admin, but we have a really exciting thing. Let's do that first. Yes. Well, first of all, it, this is it. This is the this end is of it. season two. And season the two end. has been amazing. Incredible. Like, amazing. I, our numbers have tripled, and our guests have been amazing, and I feel like we just really found our flow. And I know that unlike last season where we ended with gratitude, that's not our topic today, but I am so grateful, and I'm sure you are too. We're so thankful to our listeners who've been listening, subscribing, downloading, reviewing. I mean, we've had some really, really kind words in those reviews that's been just mind-blowing. Yeah. So we have a little something special for you listeners. We are going to have a little contest. Contest. I mean, I guess you could call it that. So as we've mentioned time and time again, reviews and ratings really do help us. They create relevancy. It's how the word spreads. And we mentioned on the last episode that we are going to shout out to all of our new reviewers on the season three opener. Um, And so we wanted to give a little more of an incentive. So we are going to offer up a free session with one of us to one of our listeners who participates in helping our relevancy grow. Um, And if you've already participated, you still count. Don't worry. So here's here's some ways that you can win a free session with us. So it's a one-hour session with either one of us. You can pick whichever coach you'd like to work with on just a bunch of different topics, which Dina will talk about in a second. Here's how you enter. You get an entry for writing a review, so not just the rating, but the review on iTunes or any platform that you're listening on that Mm -hmm. allows you to review. Not all of them do. I know that. You also get an entry by following us at Future Focused Parenting, whether that's Facebook or Instagram. And the reason for that is that we are going to be probably moving over predominantly onto the Future Focused Parenting social media sites. Um, And so we want to make sure that our listeners are following us over there. So you get an entry for that. And then finally, you get an entry if you recommend the podcast on Facebook and tag a friend. You have to tag a friend. So Three different ways to enter. Now, here's the thing. If you've already done one of these things or all of these things, you still get credit. So the only one that we wouldn't be able to track would be the review. So snap a photo of your review, email it to info at futurefocusedparenting.com, and you'll get an entry into the contest. And if you are writing a new review, that's how we'll know as well. So snap a photo of it and email it to us because the reviews sometimes have funky names and handles and stuff. So that's well, how you Well, and win. then the nice thing is you can include even in your email, hey, if I win, I'd like to work with Kira, or I'm really having trouble getting my infant to sleep. I'd like a session with Dina if I win. So let us know that because we want to make sure that whoever wins the parent coaching session, it's actually helpful and applicable. Yes, exactly. So that's the contest news. That's super exciting. Um, we also want to share with you the attribute of the month for June. It's a big one. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I think it is near and dear to your heart. It is empathy. Yes, it is empathy. So if you haven't signed up for that, make sure you sign up. Hey, you know what? That's another way to win. So go ahead, uh, sign up for the attribute of the month. If you go to futurefocusedparenting.com, hover over the shop tab, and you'll see it at the bottom at the there. drop down, yeah. You click it on the drop down. You can sign up. It's totally free. Everyone who's already signed up is also entered to win. Um, but if you sign up for the attribute of the month, we'll give you another entry. And then you can get the empathy uh, attribute of the month into your inbox. And it's filled with lots of lots of great stuff. Total win-win. And you might get another win. So possible win-win-win. Yeah. 
a triple win. How is that not great? That's pretty great. That's so, three W's. That, do something with that. I really do. We've got to, there's got to be an acronym somewhere in there <laughs> or some kind of mnemonic device. I love it. I oh. love it. Um, and then lastly, we just wanted to touch on some listener questions that came in, some feedback that came in. It's been so cool seeing all of that. So keep that up over the break. We love hearing from you. If you have a topic that you're interested in or a question that you want us to cover, info at futurefocusedparenting.com. So one of the pieces of feedback we got was about the uh, postpartum mood disorder episode. And someone wrote in so lovingly and said, are you okay now? <laughs> to <Yes>. me. <laughs> Please let them know, Kira. And so I thought, I thought I had covered this, but I can imagine it's a long episode, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so yes, I am okay now. I moved through that. I would say it took me a good year or two to move through it. Um, and now I love being a mom and I feel all the things that I was worried I was never going to feel at that time. Um, but what I will say is that when, like, both kids are sick or things suddenly get hard, I'm transported back. Mm. I, I, there's, like, this reminiscent feeling of not being enough and not being able to do everything I'm supposed to do. Um, and so it, I think postpartum mood disorders are things that do stay with you in a, in a, in a way that any trauma stays with you. But on the whole, 99.9% of the time, totally good love being a mom doing great and and this listener also asked well how did you do it because i mentioned that i didn't use meds right so how did i do it and it was a lot of therapy like a lot a lot a lot a lot of therapy and trying to figure out where does it what's going on where does it come from how do i communicate with my partner how do i communicate with my support system how do i get my Mm -hmm. needs met so that i can be the healthiest happiest version of myself i think for me too a huge part was when my kids got older and i started being able to engage with them and talk with them suddenly my vision of motherhood was more met and I think mm-hmm. that was part of it. And we, you know, we talk sometimes about managing those expectations. And I do yeah. think that my my picture of motherhood didn't look like the reality of it. And that was really hard. So once it started fitting that picture a little bit more, I think I was healthier and happier for it. Yeah. It's hard when expectations don't match reality. I mean, that's hard in anything. I mean, relationships or becoming a parent, starting a new job. I mean, any time where you could go in with expectations and then it doesn't look like that, that is That's just a huge challenge. So we have one more little piece of follow-up. Like we mentioned, we got a great listener question. And first of all, I just want to commend this listener because this person doesn't even have kids yet and already has a question. And it was a piggyback off the consumerism episode and tying your belongings to your values. And this listener asked, you know, when a toy comes into your home, are you trying to look at, does this fit? Am I trying to make it match a specific family value? And even down to asking about a specific toy, I think in this instance, it was a baby doll. But a great question and want to really commend you for being so forward thinking that, hey, I haven't even had kids yet. And I want to be thinking about how this looks because that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just briefly share my sure. thoughts on it. The The first thought I had was that not putting the pressure on yourself to try and tie everything to your family values because we just don't need to live like that. I think it's important that your values are strong, that you're parenting toward them, that you're consuming toward them. But we got to have room for a baby doll that maybe doesn't 
like we don't want to like crowbar in, you know, okay, this is how we're going to make this fit our family values. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to just buy your kid a baby doll. Um, so I think it's about figuring out where is it really essential that it's tied to family values. So I think the example I gave was my friend Karen did this at Christmas. And she felt like for Christmas, it made sense that everything that came in for Christmas matched a family value. You might want to do it for a birthday. Or you could even say the things I'm going to buy you have to match our family values. But the mon- what you choose to do with your own money is up to you mm-hmm. um, or vice versa. I will buy you the fun stuff, but you need to be using your money to choose selectively things that match our family values. You can do it any way you want, but relieving the pressure of every item in my home must match my family values as long as it's kind of like what we usually say, what's the exception? What's the rule? So creating a general rule of we try to make our stuff match our values, mm-hmm. and sometimes we buy the Pokemon doll. And that's because where there's that's okay. flexibility, right? right? And, and we were saying this before we came on the air today, just how it, it doesn't mean that every single item, there has to be this act of Congress decision, does it match a family value? But I do think it's okay also to piggyback on what you were saying, just that there can be certain categories, certain things that are important to you. I know in our home, it was really important that my kids use their imagination. So even from the time they were infants, for instance, we didn't have toys that like lit up and sang and played music and did all this stuff. We wanted them to play, to be using their imagination, to be kinesthetic. So we had a lot of toys that required physical manipulation, like blocks and puzzles and things like that. Now that was a choice and it was an intentional parenting choice. And it informed which toys we bought but that way it didn't mean every single toy had to go through this rigorous examination of does it match the list hanging on the fridge yeah totally so listeners thanks for writing in we hope those answer your questions um and we are going to get started with our episode we want to warn you that we're running long today because we have a lot to cover we're not going to talk to you for about five weeks um we're doing it intentionally with a future focused mindset absolutely um and so thank you just for sticking with us today uh, but we're very excited to talk about organization i am chomping at the bit for this one all right dina dina is so excited i <laughs> wish you could see her face for those of you who watched our video on uh, IGTV, you will have seen her reaction when we <laughs> launched into talking about organization. She is so excited. So I'm just going to, I think I should let you start. I you don't do? feel like it's fair to make yeah. you wait any longer. Because I'm about to eat the yeah, microphone. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's a good idea. Well, here's the reason I love this topic. I want to just be really personal with my why. And I have to out myself that I'm a little bit just wired as an organized person. I've said before as a joke, but it's a true joke. I'm type A plus, like I'm way over on that end of the spectrum. And I want to say up front, I recognize that not everybody listening is. That's fine. This episode will still be applicable to you because we're going to talk about how do you make your own life work for you? It isn't about it looking the same way and everyone having matching bins with lids or whatever. But I do get excited about this because I have a natural bent toward it. And it it really brings me a lot of joy to bring order out of chaos. It's just like one of my favorites. So when I open a drawer and it's a mess and I can just whip it into shape, it takes me to my happy place. So I am, <laughs> so I am super excited. But the other piece of this is that for me, a cluttered environment really clutters my mind. And so I have found that not only as a working mom, my workspace being clean helps me focus and function and be efficient. But also as a parent, when my bed is made, which is such a small example, but I'm telling you the bed making is a thing. I'm, we'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But 
The fact that my bed is made or my house is tidy, I feel like gives me space to parent well. And again, not everyone is like that, but it's why for me this is so exciting because it resonates with me. And I want to share with our listeners that your system might be totally different. It's that it works for you and that it creates space for you to be the best version of yourself as a professional, as a parent, as a spouse. That's what gets me excited is this is about creating things that work. It isn't about it looking one exact certain way, but I am an organization fan. So just being honest. I'd love to hear your why before we go into practical. Well, before I say my why, I love what you just said because I was thinking about this episode and I was like, man, like we are just like everybody else that's like organization. Like let's talk about getting organized as a mom. And I think that there's something really important there. Like there's a reason we want to talk about it. There's a reason you and I prioritize it in our lives. But I think it can really lean kind of scarily towards you must be an organized person. And what do the people who just don't lean that way feel about themselves when they hear, I have to get organized? What kind of pressure does that put on them? So I think like what I love about you just said I had in my notes, know thyself. Like you are only going to achieve organization within the realm of yourself. And that's okay. We want you to be the happiest, healthiest version of yourself. And for some people, that means not being that organized or having a messy home. And that's okay. Like, can we just let that be okay for you? But if you feel like you're surviving instead of thriving, then we want to look at, okay, what what could we change? What small changes could we make mm-hmm. to help you feel like you're going from that surviving feeling into that thriving feeling? So my why is I, I our listeners may recall that um, as a child, my bedroom <laughs> was not the tidiest. It caused an E on that episode, I believe. I believe it did. <laughs> um, and so here's the thing. Organization has been a learned skill for me. It's not something that comes naturally to me. And I think that what it did was become a healthy coping mechanism. So I was a super messy kid. I mean, my son reminds me so much of myself as a kid, just like you can't find anything in the bedroom, like total chaos. And when I got to college, um, I suddenly became a neat freak. Mm. And I think it really was a sense of control. Like this is something I have control over. And even to this day, like you can walk into my house. If my house is a little cluttered, it means my mind is happy and clear because the clutter doesn't bother me. If you walk into my house and it's spotless, it actually means I'm stressed and I'm trying to gain some control. And I think as a healthy coping mechanism, when you compare it to like getting control with an eating disorder or getting control, you know, it really became a great way for me to feel on top of things. So I think it the why was really to feel on top of my life. And when I had kids, that why became even stronger, especially with twins, mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, this is going to take me underwater. And let's be honest, we all heard the postpartum mood disorder. It did. So organization was a really big part of starting to feel like I was swimming again, starting to feel like I'm on top of things. Look, my house is clean. Look, my things are organized. And never in a judgmental way of anybody else's lifestyle, more just as a way of me feeling like I could see achievement. I could see something that I had done. And that was really, really important to me. I mean, Dina will remember coming over when the twins were really, really tiny. And I had like charts for when they'd pooped and when they'd eaten. Because honestly, when I took that away, there was one day where I didn't do it and it was a disaster. Mm. And the last thing I'll say with regard to my why, because we know how much I like a rabbit trail, is 
and I think most people who know me would find this really surprising. And Dina, you're probably going to be surprised too. But I, I am probably the laziest person on the planet. Like if I could sit on a couch and just watch TV and read books all day, I would. I ha- I really am. I'm like the laziest person on the planet, which is really hard for people to believe because I am like, making a face. Yeah, Dina's <laughs> making a face because I'm like so such a go getter and such a like I have an idea, you know. But the truth is that a lot of that stems from the fear of what would happen if I didn't do that because I would just go into absolute couch potato, couch land. potato carnage, <laughs> you know. And that's what my bedroom was as a kid, right? It was like carnage. Mm. So I think that for me, the why of being organized is also how I prevent like being my worst version of myself and how I lean into the better version of me. Mm. Does that make sense? That's very beautifully said. I really like it. I have a caution. Because as I've shared on a previous episode, I have actual diagnosed OCD. Like people like to joke, oh, I'm so OCD. I mean, I actually have it. I've shared that. And so for me, organization can actually be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I really resonated with what you said about the control piece. I notice when life is feeling crazy, I have more of tendencies toward my OCD. They don't necessarily manifest in organization, but they did used to. And so just this is just my small red flag. If you listen to any of this today and you're noticing that, hey, I'm spending an inordinate amount of time doing this, please talk to somebody. I mean, there's really great help for that. I know that for me, my wake-up call was when I was in college and I was skipping meals to organize my dorm room. If you're not eating, this is not fine. So I think for most people, it doesn't go to this extreme, but it can. And so I just want to put that out there because it's more important that you're healthy than that your house is tidy. So be safe and don't organize to extremes because it can be an issue. At least it was for me. Yeah. And I think the health piece is really important, right? The If it's providing mental health without getting in the way of other things, mm-hmm. then it's a great coping mechanism. And with OCD, I'm sort of a self-taught expert on OCD these <laughs> days. But, um, you know, with OCD, the difference is the, the physical discomfort that you experience, right? So mm-hmm. there's a big difference between me, who's like in a stressful time of life and, ugh, I hate that my house is a mess, as opposed to somebody with OCD where it's like they can't sleep, they're physically mm-hmm. affected and uncomfortable with the mess. And, and there's that compulsion. I mean, that's why it has the C in it, right? It, there's an actual compulsion and then like a relief and a release when the compulsion's been mm-hmm. met. And what's interesting, too, is sometimes you can have this without the compulsion. I also know that many, many people with OCD, they get that anxiety gets so intense, they don't even know where to begin and they just don't do anything. So it can look like there isn't anything happening, but they're very stressed. So I know for me, when my house isn't how I like it, sometimes I'm so anxious, I don't know where to start, so I just don't start. Mm. And so interestingly, it doesn't end up looking like the museum I wish it looked like, but that's actually not indicative that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't want to hang out there. I just wanted to say, be be careful because we care a lot about mental health and we wouldn't want any positive thing to devolve into something that is no longer healthy. Mm-hmm. So now do I get to talk practical stuff? Do it. I'm so do excited. It. your how? Okay. So I have a few things I just want to make sure to mention. And I know we already are probably going to go over, so I'll try not to make that worse. But one of my big recommendations, and I used to actually be a professional organizer. So I would go into people's homes and I would help them tackle maybe a room that was out of control or a closet or like, hey, this library's crazy. I got to get rid of some books. I did not know this about yes, you. And I loved Please it. Please come to my home. I'm <laughs> going to hire it. you like right now. And what's so great <laughs> is for me with my particular 
type of OCD. It's only in my own home. And so I can go to other people's house and not be stressed out. And it was just fantastic. I was much better able to be objective. But here's what I would say is first do start with one area. I think sometimes people try to bite off more than they can chew with organization. They're like, today I will organize my whole house. And this is almost always a recipe for disaster. So pick a manageable place. Start in a closet. Start with that den that's getting wonky or your office where you're having, you're noticing that the paper clutter is getting out of control or whatever. Start in one area. And then my favorite thing to suggest is that you set up three bins in that room. And as you go through things, you're literally picking which of these three places it goes unless it's staying in the room. So let me outline those. So one bin is throwing away, toss it. And it always amazed me with organization clients how much actual garbage is in people's houses because we just forget about it or it gets under a pile and out of sight, out of mind. And you know how that goes. So you have a throwaway bin, you have a donate bin. Hey, this is still in good shape, but I don't want it or maybe slash need it anymore. So it goes to the giveaway pile. And then the third one is I'm keeping this, but it doesn't live in this room. So it's the this lives somewhere else bin. And that is critical for keeping you moving along. Because what I noticed when I was first doing this and didn't have a great system for working with my clients is we were taking trips out of the room all the time. Now we're not staying in the room we're trying to organize because they're like, oh, this actually goes in the kitchen and now they're off and I've lost them. And now they're trying to organize that part of the counter with the toaster, you know. So if that way you can say this lives somewhere else and pop it in there. So I really recommend those three bins. Then you stay in the room you're focused on, but you know what's getting thrown away. You know what's getting given away or going in the garage sale. And you know what's going to get moved to another room later Mm. after you've done this. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that. Well, hooray. Hooray. Do you want more? Yes. <laughs> I bated, have more. Bated breath. I'm waiting. Because you know what's interesting is, I, and I love this so much because you and I align so much, um, but you and I clearly have totally different takes on what we're talking about today, Oh, <laughs> which is perfect because I Great. love this side. This is not at all what I'm going to talk about, and I love it like okay. because it is. It's totally, I mean, it's just a completely, it's the other half. It's the other mm-hmm. half of the component, so I love it. So okay, keep going. Can I, can I hear then an intro of your piece because it might really be two halves of the whole. I, I want to hear it. I think it is. So I, what I was planning to talk about is like, how do I organize my life? Mm. Um, and how do we organize the kids so that we, oh, yeah. we run as an organized household this and less together. and less about the, the day-to-day like bins. The stuff. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's so perfect because the, it is two halves of the whole. It I is. mean, just like us. It is. So why don't you give us one practical on life organization? Okay. We can alternate. Okay. So one of the things that's worked really, really, really well in my life around organizing things, but also just around organizing my life is um, scheduling. I have found that if I have a schedule, this is the day that I do the laundry. This is the day I do the sheets. This is the day that I clean the bathroom. This is the day that I clean my car. That if I stick to that schedule, and again, I have to stick to the schedule because, again, we come back to know thyself, um, naturally lazy person that would actually do absolutely nothing if given the opportunity, right? So I have to stick to the schedule because if I miss the Thursday cleaning of the car, well, the car becomes a disaster. Um, so I, But having that really distinct schedule where things are just broken up 
you know, really cleanly and obviously and and concisely so that it's not that hard to remember. Mm-hmm. Like even things like I water my orchids on Fridays, just as simple as that has transformed the home. And the kids too, you know, they know that sheets get done on Thursdays. So when they wake up in the morning, they strip their beds on Thursdays because they know it's sheet day. And it gives them that consistency too of my life is a little bit predictable. I, I know when my sheets are going to mm-hmm. get washed. I know where my job is within that schedule. Um, when they come home from school on Tuesdays and Fridays, there's laundry folded ready for them to put away, you know, and that's something they're prepared for. They come home and they know that's their first job on a Tuesday or a Friday because it's part of our schedule and and our what's expected of all of us on this regular, consistent basis. The reason I was smiling, I want to explain. I'm not laughing. I love this idea. But I do it as well, and but for the opposite reason. And I love when our listeners can hear this, where we end up having something where the manifestation is quite similar, but the why of how we're coming at it is so light years different. So I have a cleaning schedule so that I don't get wrapped around the axle and clean for hours and hours and hours, because that could easily happen for someone like me. So it's actually a control, like a safety valve almost. And so when people wonder where I am, they're like, why is Dina running around with a duster? Well, it's Tuesday, Mm -hmm. but I have to say only this job today. Or else I could go down the rabbit trail and in in a not great way. So that's so interesting because I do the same way, but so that I don't veer off into cleaning land and you'll never see me again. Right. So fascinating. Well, and I think for the listeners that struggle with organization, you know, this is this is an area that was transformative for me because it was really hard, especially with kids. It was like I was constantly doing laundry. I was constantly trying to clean up. I was constantly stressed. I mean, my orchids were dying. Let's just start there. And... Once I got onto this really clean, consistent schedule that I was just really diligent about, and this is the thing I think, this is one of the other things I want to talk about, but consistency is just so important. And Mm -hmm. so I think what Dina said about, like, just don't try and change everything at once. What's Mm -hmm. the one thing that you can change and get consistent about? Then you add in this other thing and you get consistent about it. Um, That is going to help you create just a more systematic approach and a gentle transition into these changes that you want to make while still being true to who you are. And part of knowing yourself is going, like for me, is going, uh, my house would be a disaster if I didn't do this. So it's actually so incredibly important that I do it. For you, it's the other way around. It's like, Mm -hmm. I would be unhealthy mentally and unwell if I didn't have this schedule. This is the schedule that helps me be well and be healthy and not go to this extreme. Put some boundaries around it. And what's so wonderful about what you just said and how it ties in with knowing yourself is that if you have, a, again, like I love that you that we said this right at the top. If you have a system that works for you, you'll use it. If it doesn't work for you, you won't do it. So this habit creation, like you mentioned, just change one thing. And when that becomes a habit and it's ingrained and you're doing it, then you can add the next thing. It doesn't have to be all at once, rip the Band-Aid off, and you can do one thing at a time, which I think is fabulous. Yeah, I also love the model. I did this once where um, you take a new year, so you start in January, and every month you make one change. Mm -hmm. And you only focus on that change. By the end of the month, it's a habit. Now you're making this next new change. Um, And I would say even for people that aren't schedule-oriented, because I think, here's the thing, I think the people who struggle the most with organization are the people that aren't schedule-oriented. They don't like to be boxed into routine. Mm -hmm. Um, They're more kind of go with the flow, which I so admire these people. Um, Because they they somehow manage to live that life that I'm not capable of. You know, they don't fall into despair and end up homeless on the street. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think this is where that know thyself piece is so important. Is it working for you? If it's working for you, please don't change it. That's okay. Is it working for your family? And I think the struggle becomes if you're a more, either way, really, if you're a more laissez-faire when it comes to organization parent or a more organized parent, you have a kid that doesn't match that. Okay, how do we make everyone Mm -hmm. healthy and well in the home? And that's that adjustment and working together piece. That can be tricky. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought this part up. See, this is so It's, it's so great. Helpful. I'm so glad you brought your part up. Okay, right. so what's your next tip? Well, I have just a couple more on that, and then we can talk life because I agree that's a big component of it. So a couple more things just on having your stuff actually be in a way that makes sense and have that be organized. And my kids are going to laugh because I say this to them all the time. But I have a little phrase, and I use it with my clients too, don't put it down, put it away. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy as we walk in, we set down our keys, we set down our purse, we throw the mail on the table. And before long, there's kind of a trail. You can tell where we've been, (laughs) but nothing has a home. And so that old cliche about a place for everything and everything in its place really can ring true. And also I've found it really helps minimize, if not eliminate, so many items getting lost or misplaced because you know they have a home and you're putting them in their home, not just setting them down. So that's been a big one for us. Don't put it down, put it away. And that's what's kind of the fun part is you get to decide where away is. Mm -hmm. And it can be really enjoyable to decide what makes sense as the home for my keys or where's the the mail going to go when we get it? And how do we make sure it doesn't get ignored? And do we have a filing system? Because paper is a big one too. People end up with stacks. Although I want to say for some people, piles are their organization. I've actually seen that more than once with my clients. Like they know exactly what's in that pile of papers on the left and that one on the right. And that can work for some people. It's more, does it work for you? Right. And I think it comes back to, are you happy with the piles being in the living room or is the home for the piles in the office? Right. right? Or like where where can it live that feels good to you? Mm-hmm. And to me, this is where the schedule piece comes back in, like having a schedule where you're regularly going through the piles. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a filing system, a filing cabinet, and I file all of our stuff that comes through as it comes through. But every year in December, I go through the files for the whole year, and I pull out what we don't need, what we can shred and recycle, et cetera, et cetera. And that system is so important because if I miss a year, mm-hmm. now I've got a whole other year, right? So, again, whatever the whatever that looks like for you, just making sure there's some consistency to how you're dealing with it. Um, and then with the everything in its place and a place for everything, um, we've done that. I mean, I do that. I live somewhat by that principle. I try and kind of make sure everything has a home. Um, For the kids, what we did was actually set up a labeling system in their room. Like this is where your small toys go and there's a bin and they can just chuck everything into that bin. So we're not asking them to organize all their small toys, but it says small toys, chuck. This is where your books go. This is where your big toys go. And and it's just labeled. And, of course, now they're readers, so they can do that. Sure. Um, it made a huge difference. Go clean up your room. They knew where everything went. And that has – we've seen a major change since they were able to read those little labels um, to be able to keep their rooms more organized. And then for them, I think what they notice and I think what most people notice once they start to get organized and get on a schedule is that then once you – start doing it regularly, it becomes so much faster and easier to do. So for them, cleaning up their room is now 10 times easier because they know where everything goes. Next time they go to clean up their room, there's less clutter because they've actually naturally been putting things back where it belongs anyway. Yeah. And just a word of encouragement, if you have pre-readers, we are a parenting podcast, so I love that you brought this up. We want to talk about also tools you can use in organizing yourself as a parent and with your kids. 
I used pictures until they could read. So we had a morning routine, for instance, that before you could even leave your room, the bed had to be made, you had to be dressed, that alarm had to be turned off, there had to be nothing on the floor except your furniture. So that was our rule. Now, before my son could read, I literally had drawn, it said, can I go at the top? And he could read just those little words, but then there was like a pair of pants and a little picture of the alarm clock. And so he could look at those pictures and think, have I done all these things? Am I free to come out and get ready to go about my day? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you you brought me to my next one, so oh, is it okay, okay if I go? Yeah, take the okay. segue. So the next thing that has been essential in our family is the concept of a routine. So my kids have a morning routine. They have their morning jobs at breakfast. Then they have an after-school routine and an evening routine. And what this has done is made it so that I don't nag them. I just say, go do your morning routine, and they know what that means. Go do your evening routine, and they know what that means. So the morning routine happens after breakfast. Um, My kids get a little show in the morning and before the show. So they don't get their morning show until they've done their morning routine. So we eat breakfast. They do their morning jobs, which is they help out with all the vitamins and kind of getting the orange juice and Mm -hmm. all that. We eat breakfast and then go do your morning routine. Morning routine involves some of the things you just mentioned. So they have to make their beds. They have to get dressed. They have to brush their teeth. Um, I don't make them tidy up. We tidy up at the end of the day. That's part of the evening routine. Um, And then once they've done that, now you've earned your privilege. We've talked about this before. You've earned your privilege of your morning show. When they get home from school, do your after-school routine, and they have to unload their backpacks, put their lunch up on the counter, take off their shoes, wash their hands. Um, One of the routines that's been most helpful is um, the getting out the door routine in the morning. I know a lot of families struggle Mm. with this. This is an area we don't struggle, and I think it's because of the routine. We have something called the four S's. You'll love this, Dina. Love it already. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll say it's time to do your S's, and S's stand for snack, socks, shoes, snuggle. So they have to pick up a snack for the car and put on their socks, their shoes, and give me a little kiss as they're going out the door. And that's how I get them in and out of the car. Do your S's, and they know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it, It. I mean, and I have a child who's more of a procrastinator. I have one who's really good at like, okay. And, chop, chop. Yep, S number one, <laughs> S number two. And then I have the other one that's like, oh, I should probably do that S. <laughs> you know, wandering through the house. And, and again, like there are kids out there that fit both of these patterns but even that child has been so kind of conditioned to this is what we do that i can just say s's and he's i've outed him and and he's right back into that routine so i think routines are so key again it makes bedtime easier we don't have issues in you know nightmare bedtimes because it's like go do your evening routine we don't get our story and our tuck in until our evening routine is done and you know what i love is you're talking about doing this with fairly young children, okay? But adults can train themselves this same way. Mm -hmm. And literally having a routine helps with, so this is so great because, oh my goodness, I'm just loving this. Because these are really two halves of a whole. When you have these kind of overarching philosophical life organization things, they then can apply to your stuff if you want and in the way you want. So what I was thinking of and what kind of little light bulb moment I had while you were talking is the same could be said for anything to do with your 
clutter issues. So you can have a routine for opening the mail. When you bring it in, anything that's junk mail or envelopes gets recycled right away. The bills that need to be paid go in your filing system and the things that you'd like to actually spend time reading go by your magazines where you read. Something as simple as that. So that not only are you not putting it down, you're putting it away, but you have a routine that goes with that task and it starts to become automatic and then it's not a chore, right? And with kids, what that does is it removes any kind of battleground. They just know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so you don't end up in this nagging fight where there's kind of a power struggle. It's just they know the deal. It's like that picture on my son's door. He's just looking at his pictures and going through his day. I'm not like, did you do da-da-da? Did you do da-da-da? It's so great. You're not put in this position of just feeling like a broken record. And I think adults can learn those things too if they want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially if you're an adult that maybe struggles with organization and would like to get better and are maybe seeing your kids struggle with it, too. And it's like, wow, what an opportunity to teach our kids this for some of them learned behavior. I mean, it was for me. I'm a great example of someone who learned to be Mm -hmm. more organized. So what an empowering thing to give your little one that, hey, you may not naturally lean this way. And I can still actually teach you how to do that. And maybe you're not going to do it as perfectly. Like my son is just never going to do it the way his sister does. It's just never going to happen. That's okay. But maybe he's going to go into the world just that little bit more organized, just that little bit more capable of staying on top of his stuff Mm -hmm. um, for himself and his future partner. Um, You're welcome, future partner. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, You know, that maybe we've, instead of encouraging something that that leans him toward that not best part of himself, Mm -hmm. we're helping to kind of strengthen that piece of him. Well, and what I love too is when we teach children about routines and consistency and some some scaffolding around their day, right? A little bit of structure to it. Then the world doesn't smack them upside the face when they're faced with structure at school, structure in their job, structure in their relationships, dealing with what are the social norms here, even just the way we interact. There are unspoken systems and routines around that. And that won't throw them for such a loop and catch them so off guard. They'll be really equipped to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I have one last thing on the side of organization that would be, hey, I'm drowning in clutter and I need to purge. What do I do? And this is not surprisingly, it's a little saying, but it spells Ohio like the state O-H-I-O. And I use it all the time with clients and with my own children. Only handle it once. So if you're going through an area and And again, we really emphasize this is, hey, if you notice you're white knuckling it in a certain area or you're not thriving and you do feel like there needs to be a change, I want to just emphasize that. If you don't, great. But if you do, say you're tackling that area, that tricky closet, that master closet, those can get really wild. What I've noticed is if somebody picks something up and maybe it's kind of sentimental, oh, I wore this dress at that special graduation, and then they just set it off to the side, then they revisit it later. It's important to try to just make a decision. And what I have found is that not only helps the process go faster and more efficiently, but generally your first decision is the right one. And so continuing to handle items, we just tend to go back into getting really sentimental and kind of falling in love with the item over again. You keep it and guess what? You still didn't wear it a year, two years, five years later, just using that closet example. So a really key principle I have is when you've got your three bins set up, You're not putting things down. You're putting them away if they're staying in that space, that closet or that room that you're working on. And each thing, you only handle it once. Make the decision. Move on. Awesome. 
Those are all my thoughts. Oh, I mean, mine were literally all life. Our brains are emptied. I mean, like I, I have organizational things at home. You know, certain places where kids put their homework and, um, and that kind of thing. But to me, it's like from from my end, the piece I'm always working on is that mental component. Yes. Of what has to happen? How does my life need to run that will trickle down to, you know, my stuff. That's right. And and I think that's the thing is this is about creating space to be the best we can be. And so for some people, they can function really well in a mess. Some people are going to notice right away, you know, I'm not functioning well. Something needs to look different. Just like some people function well, a little bit more spontaneous, and they can live life that way and still get done what needs to get done. Other people might listen to this and say, actually, I'm doing the spontaneity thing and it's not working for me. So maybe it's worth it to you to take a look at your life and employ some routine, some consistency, some scheduling. And I'm a big fan of all of that. But hear us that this is about knowing yourself and then putting those things in place that will serve you. You slowly do it slowly in stages slowly putting those things into place that will serve you and it might be that they need to sit down and go over the next year Mm -hmm. what are the things i want to change and then you just slowly pick one and just like with the room right oh for sure concept of like i want to clean my whole house i'm going to start with this room Mm -hmm. so same idea If, if you're feeling like you're surviving this when it comes to this topic whether it's life organization or physical tangible stuff organization Take a year, look at a calendar and go, what are some, what are 12 things that I can change? And then just do Do one one a month. month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other nice thing is then relatively quickly within a month, you've already had a win. And I think that creates momentum and it can really create that encouragement in yourself to go, I can keep going. I can try, now I'm going to add this, or now I'm going to tackle that other room or in the case of schedule, you know, no, now we're going to really try and do better about scheduling our family time. Let's just really be intentional about that for February because January I had that win in the office. You know, it doesn't – I think you can even meld the two. You can work on a life organization thing one month. You might work on a mm-hmm. tangible item organization thing the next month. But get yourself some wins. I think that really helps maintain motivation. Mm-hmm. And I will say for those of you that are like me and aren't naturally – organized aren't naturally on top of things this is the piece that i would say is most important to know is that the consistency piece is gonna feel hard and uncomfortable and you kind of have to be prepared for that there are days where it's still hard and uncomfortable and i still do it because much like you know someone who is trying to lose 100 pounds or wants to bulk up their body at the gym, it's all about consistency. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's crazy. But if you do end up eating McDonald's every day, guess what? You're not going to lose the weight. And it's only when you are willing to push past the discomfort of, I really want the McDonald's, but I also need to lose 100 pounds. So I'm going to push through that discomfort. That's the key. And so I think, and that's where a lot of people fall down, right? Is that it's like, oh, I don't want to put it away. I just want to, and I get that. I resonate with that a hundred percent, but every single time I've let myself get away with that, my whole world spirals. It touches everything for me. It touches my whole life. So it's worth it to me every single time to put that thing in the recycling bin so that my life doesn't derail. Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality shift I think you have to make is, is it going to be more uncomfortable for my life to derail or for me to put this in the bin? Well, and two things on that really quick. One is that's also great modeling. 
because we will probably literally say to our kids many times in the course of their lives that sometimes they're going to have to do things they don't want to do. And so when we maybe day after day do something that doesn't feel like the most exciting thing on the planet, we're modeling that. Like this is the way we do it. And then thank you. I'm not sure why, but this reminded me that I had dangled a carrot about bed making. So I just want to say really quickly, even if you're like, oh, this doesn't, the the stuff part doesn't really resonate with me. Maybe you don't have much to purge. You're already a minimalist then great. But I am a fan of bed making. And I'm just going to say a couple of reasons that I think it's worth entertaining as maybe one of the things you tackle. And one is that doing something at the beginning of the day can be a tone setter. So maybe for you, it isn't the bed. Maybe it's you take a little bit of time to meditate. Or if you're a Christian like me, maybe that's when you spend a little time praying or what have you. But picking something that sets the tone can make a difference in your day. But the other thing is, as small as it might be, if you make your bed and your day happens to go, you know, to poop, you've accomplished something. And there have been days where I, at the end of the day, all I could say was, well, at least I made the bed (laughs) because it derailed in a big way. But there's something about, oh, I accomplished something. And so I would just encourage you to at least look at that because it can be a really powerful thing. There's been whole books written about making your bed. And I didn't want to forget that little point. So thank you. I don't know why what you said reminded me, but it did. So thanks. You're welcome. My pleasure. Awesome. All right, friends, we are going to wrap up season two right here, right now. We hope you enjoyed that on organization. And we just want to remind you of a few things. So first of all, the contest. If you would like to win a free session with either Dina or myself, if you'd like a little coaching, Mm -hmm. then you can either write us a review on iTunes or any platform that allows reviews. Snap a photo, email it to info at futurefocusedparenting.com. You can follow us at Future Focused Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. You can recommend us on Facebook and tag a friend. That part's really, really important. And you can sign up for the attribute of the month, which would be going to futurefocusedparenting.com, hover over the shop tab and click on attribute of the month. It's totally free. So those are four ways to enter our contest. We will announce uh, the winner on the season three opener, and we will pick a winner on July 1st. So season three opener is July 8th. We'll pick a winner on July mm-hmm. 1st. You have until July 1st to enter. And um, you want to talk about our workbooks? Yes. In the meantime, while you aren't hearing us, you can definitely still get some wisdom from us. So we've both written a workbook. And we would love to just, again, share a little bit about what those do. So Kira's book is for expectant parents and really looks at all these things you might want to think about as you're welcoming a baby. Things like, what are your goals? What are your priorities? How do you get your needs met? How do you make sure your partner knows even what your needs are so they can get met? Some people do fine all day without a shower. Some people really don't. So it just gives you the opportunity to talk through questions about who's going to be on overnight duty. Are we dividing that? What does that look like if you're both working parents? Who stays home if the baby's sick? I mean, so many great things that I think a lot of couples don't even think about till they're in it. So that's Kira's book for expectant parents, and it is called... Future focused parents to be. Beautiful. Thank you. And then I also have a workbook for families who are on the other side of bringing baby home and might be having some challenges with sleep. So that is called Future Focused Sleep Strategies. And it just walks you through literally some very practical things you can do to help set babies' circadian rhythms and get better sleep for them and for you. Yeah. And you can find those on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. They are available there. Uh, last but not least, we just want to remind you that on this break, we will be on Brittany Homer's podcast, Raising Today's Kids, sometime in June. We're not quite sure of the date. Um, so do check us out. It's kind of cool. I don't think we mentioned this before. 
were interviewed not at all really about parenting. We mostly talked about what it's like to be so different Different. and Mm -hmm. still have these really positive conversations and how can people in these situations where maybe they fall on different sides of of their perspectives being so different, how do you still have a friendship and And work together together and talk openly and be respectful and kind? And we get so much great feedback about that. So Brittany had us talk about that on her podcast. So check that out, Raising Today's Kids. We will be back July 8th with season three. Lots of fun stuff, fun guests coming up, some YouTube videos that we're going to be working on. And hopefully we'll have an exciting announcement on Mm -hmm. July 8th for a a really fun project that we're working on um, that we're hoping to launch in the fall. Yeah. Enjoy the first part of your summer. And if you're in the States, enjoy your Independence Day. And we'll be back with you on July 8th. This season of Raising Adults was produced by Kira Dorian, Dina Thayer, sometimes Eric Johnson, and recorded in my laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to speaking with you again on July 8th. 